0: Be Wealthy and Smart, Episode 59.
1: Into to a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones.
0: Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's podcast, I have a very special guest, Melanie Free Clinton, who is a credit expert. I've been wanting to do a show on credit for a while, and Melanie and I got in touch, and we saw so much eye-to-eye. I was so excited to bring her on the show. So welcome, Melanie. How
1: are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
0: I can't tell you how excited I am. I really put it out there that I wanted to, you don't even know this, but I put it out there (laughs) that I wanted to have someone on credit to... Uh, really have a conversation with and clear up some of the, the misnomers that are out there, really educate people to empower them about their credit. And I know that's one of your taglines, too, to empower people. So we were yeah. so just on the same page. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and share this with our listeners.
1: Likewise. Awesome. you see how the universe
0: conspires to give you what you want? All the time when you pay attention. Yes, absolutely. Right. I call those taps on the shoulder. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's good. So Melanie, tell us how tell us about yourself and how you got to work with credit.
1: Absolutely. Well, I am the good credit guru and I help people to clean up their credit to maintain a good credit score, and to be able to enjoy the finer things in life. We know that credit is so very important in this world, and we have to maintain the best credit possible. So I empower people to improve their lives through good credit.
0: I love that. And what I also love is that this show is not just going to be for people that have problems with credit, although we will talk about that, but it's also going to be for people that have good credit and want the best possible stellar credit score that they can possibly get.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly, 100%, because sometimes life dictates that you refi a loan or to take on additional credit, and you want to make sure that you position yourself in the best way possible to just fly through the application process and be approved right away.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes we can get tagged with the wrong person's credit. I remember one time when my husband was alive, we were refinancing our house. And because my name is so common, Linda Jones, which is why I use the P, (laughs) (laughs) the middle (laughs) initial, um, because there's like 600 million Linda Joneses. And... um, I remember that there was somebody's credit was attached to my credit. It was some other Linda Jones. I had never had you know, uh, an account with the company that they said I had mm-hmm. this credit issue with. And we got it removed really easily, but I remember that I thought that was so odd that someone else's credit could actually be attached to my credit sort of
1: randomly. Does that happen a lot? Yes, that happens more than you would think that it does. And there's two um, reasons why that happens to a person. Number one, uh, you it seems that you were um, a victim of credit merging error. So just like you said, you have a common name. And a lot of the times uh, when debt collectors are looking for people, they'll do a quick Google search. And if your name is similar to whomever they are searching for, and let's just say that you live in the same town or close to uh, the town of the person that they're looking for, they will do what's called debt tagging. They'll say, you know what, good enough. This is close enough to the person that we're looking for. We think that this is the person. So let's just tag this person. connect the debt to them and who knows even if it doesn't belong to them maybe what they'll do is we'll harass them or they'll get ready to um uh obtain credit of some kind and if they see this as a roadblock then what will happen is they'll go on ahead and pay it just to get get it out of their hair so that is is a common problem that happens in our society, definitely. Yeah, and this actually
0: happened before Google was around. This was in the mid-90s. So it was prior to that, but you're right. It was something like, you know, in the Seattle area, there was some other Linda Jones, and so they just sort of tagged me, and that's exactly what happened. Like, we disputed it, and... Um, eventually, you know, got it dropped, but it was just a weird. That's a, a very strange feeling to have someone else's bad credit attached to your very yes. good credit rating. You know?
1: Exactly. So, so that was the mid '90s. Can you imagine how prevalent that is in today's time, with the availability of Google and a lot of online uh, searching abilities? It's a common problem and sometimes people are unaware that that has even happened to them until it's time to obtain credit and then, you know, these debt collectors are just hoping and praying that you don't want the fight and that you'll just pay the bill. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's why we want to look at our credit annually, right, to check for those
1: kinds of things? Absolutely. It's free to do so. Every American consumer is afforded a free credit report from each of the three major credit bureaus once per year, and you can obtain that by going to www.annual.org creditreport.com. You don't have to go to uh, some of these other sites where they're trying to sell you credit monitoring and all all sorts of other things that you really don't need. So yes, absolutely check your credit once per year by going to www.annualcreditreport.com.
0: Excellent. What about all these television ads for CreditKarma.com and the fact that they say that they give free
1: credit reports? Is that for real? (laughs) Well, I don't want to get sued, Linda. (laughs) But what what I will say is if you want to get a truly, absolutely free credit report because you are an American consumer and because the Fair Credit Reporting Act allows you to obtain those credit reports once per year for free, go to www.annualcreditreport.com. As far as credit monitoring goes, um, if you're checking your credit every year, that should be sufficient. You don't really need um, uh, monthly monitoring of your of your credit. It, it, that's just overkill, and the average person really doesn't need that.
0: Okay, so let's say once a year we go, and this year we look at annualcreditreport.com and we see, uh-oh, there's an error. What's What action should we take?
1: Well, if you are seeing that there's an error, what you want to do is to make sure that you dispute your credit report with the appropriate credit bureau or credit bureaus. And if you need detailed instructions on how to do so, I am available to give you those instructions, but you definitely want to dispute uh, any errors that you see on your credit report.
0: Okay, so we just wanna to, uh, how do we contact them?
1: There will be uh, an address for each of the credit bureaus on your actual credit report.
0: Okay, so we're gonna do this by letter
1: Absolutely, I recommend that you absolutely hand write, not type, you hand write a dispute letter to the credit bureaus because that p- gives you the greatest chance of getting your credit dispute in the hands of a human. Each of the credit bureaus has what's called um, uh, E-OSCAR, which is a computerized um, uh, method of processing a lot of credit disputes very quickly so you don't want to get caught up uh, in that um, e-oscar trap you want to make sure that you handwrite write your dispute letter attach any sort of supporting documentation and always 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 send your dispute letters certified mail return receipt the credit bureaus have 30 days in which they need to investigate your dispute and then come back to you uh, with an answer
0: so what kind of supporting evidence would there be that we could send i mean how would we prove that we never shopped at that store or What kind of evidence is there?
1: Right. Well, it's kind of hard to prove a negative. So if you did not, if you're finding something on your report and it doesn't belong to you or you did not create that account or that account doesn't belong to you, what you want to do, you would not have necessarily supporting documentation. What you would say in your dispute letter is that this account does not belong to me, and I suspect that this account um, was created under um, fraudulent pretenses you want to you know let them know that you know uh, this isn't your account uh, this is most likely fraud and they take those things very seriously and so usually those types of accounts will fall off if they do not fall off then you uh, have another chance to go direct you can dispute it directly with the uh, creditor or debt collector whoever um, is reporting the adverse information to the credit bureaus and what you would want them to do is to validate the debt not verify you want them to validate the debt so basically what validation is is they're going to have some sort of um, documentation with your name your signature um, just evidence that you um, want you wanted the responsibility to take on the debt, so it generally doesn't go that far. But if it does, that's usually where the train stop ends, because um, a lot of the times the debt collectors do not have the proper documentation to support um, what they are reporting to the credit bureaus. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that's excellent
0: information. Thank you so much for being so detailed. Oh.
1: Anytime. My pleasure. I want the people to be empowered with this information.
0: Awesome. Me too. So what are you finding these days? What is getting people into trouble? Is it that they're losing their jobs and they had a credit card bill? Kind of what's the typical scenario you're seeing that's quite common today?
1: Well, typically what's happening, uh, there's a lot of job loss going on. And so um, it's taking people longer to find um, employment uh, and definitely employment that was comparable uh, to what they had previously. So um, I would say job loss is the number one reason for um, your credit going south. Another thing that I'm seeing is um, there are people that are, just like you were, being caught up with um, credit merging errors or uh, debt tagging. So debt tagging is just outright, you know, it wasn't a mistake. This is a debt collector who is trying to pin a debt on you that does not actually belong to you. Hmm, so you are seeing that,
0: too. What about medical expenses? Are there people that are really getting caught up because they have medical issues?
1: There are a lot of people uh, that, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they, um, you know, be- become injured. Maybe they, you know, took a spill or what have you, and they go in for surgery, and they just cannot afford the medical bills. Maybe they weren't, you know, adequately um, protected with um, with health insurance. But there are lots of instances where um, people just cannot pay the medical debt, and as a result, your credit is ruined. So, in, in those particular cases, I strongly suggest if you, the moment that you feel that you cannot. Uh, pay a bill or the moment that you know that um, You know you've lost your job. I would encourage you to go to your lender um, Go to your creditors and let them know what your situation is a lot of companies have programs set up just for those types of situations So don't be afraid to approach them and say hey, I've lost my job I want to um, follow through uh, with my promise to pay you, but I'm just not able to do it at this moment. Are there any programs that you have for me?
0: And so tell us about those programs. What, is, what are they typically like?
1: Sure. Now, some most creditors have some type of program for uh, job loss or um, Financial distress situations, but you have to approach them about it. They're not going to advertise it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <They're not> gonna... <laughs> no, uh-huh. no, no, no. You don't
0: ask, you don't get, right?
1: Exactly. Uh-huh. Always, always speak up, let them know here's the situation. Uh, eventually, I will be able to pay you. I'm just not able to do it, you know, just at this moment. And so when you go direct and you ask, for those programs that they have available. Usually, um, they have the ability to um, reduce the amount that's due on a monthly basis, and what they'll do is they'll let your situation clear up, and then uh, the amounts uh, that you would have normally paid, they'll tack it on to the end of uh, your, um, uh, on to the end of your your credit balance. So, That's one um, option that seems to be available to a lot of people if they call in and um, ask for uh, financial help. Uh, Sometimes they can forgive or um, let you forego one month's uh, payment and then again it, I shouldn't say forego, because that gives the connotation that you never have to pay it. Basically, um, they'll let you uh, skip a month's payment, but they'll just tack it on to the end of your balance. So just always ask what's available, uh, what can they do to uh, help you out in uh, in your time of financial distress.
0: So then typically they're giving you a lower minimum for you to
1: pay. Absolutely, a lower minimum or... um, uh, if, it's, if they feel or you feel that, you know, you'll find employment fairly quickly, they'll, um, you know, waive any late fees or, um, you know, interest that's associated with um, your monthly payment, and then they'll just tack that on at, at, at the end. So um, they have the ability to reduce or suspend uh, your monthly payment.
0: Okay, well that sounds like a nice sort of relief for people.
1: It is, it is, but again, it's not widely advertised, you do have to take the initiative to call your um, lenders, let them know your situation, let them know, you know, how you um, plan to rectify the situation, and most likely they will work with you. And do you
0: just look on your credit card bill and dial the number on the bill?
1: Absolutely. Dial the number on the bill. However, don't um, expect to um, um, learn about these types of programs or enter into one of these types of programs at the customer service rep level. They just don't have the authority to do that. So what you would want to do is ask for a supervisor or manager and then, you know, you, you both will be speaking the same language. So do you typically
0: get handed over right away, or do you have to have a conversation with the customer service rep, and then they kind of do their thing, and then you say, can I talk to your manager, or can you just immediately say, can I talk to your manager?
1: You can immediately say, talk to your manager. I don't like to waste time. Time is the only commodity that you can't get back, so I just go straight for the supervisor and manager. I love it. I love it. So what about
0: people that are going through a divorce? What are you seeing happening with divorces?
1: Divorces are hell.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. It is. Oh, you know, I don't have a lot of clients that have gone through the through divorce, but the ones that I have, um, it's an absolute nightmare. But the key is to make sure that if you have um, accounts in common that you definitely keep an eye on the payment history, um, um, what types of charges are being uh, charged to the card. Um, What is really smart is that you freeze those joint accounts so that you cannot incur any more debt and then just, you know, keep an eye on the payment history and, you know, if you have to send in payment, you know, a month or, or for a couple of months do so because you don't want to damage your credit. And then just um, make sure that you are taking steps or you know taking action to um, either close those accounts permanently or you know somehow uh, disassociating yourself with those types of accounts. And you always, especially for women, You always want to make sure that you establish credit and maintain good credit aside from your husband. I know once you enter uh, into marriage that you intend on being married forever. Things do happen, but just make sure that you um, uh, establish credit um, aside from your husband.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent suggestion. So how about school loans?
1: Yes, those dreaded school loans that you just can't shake it. It's like a bad cold. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the school loans are issued by the government. So unfortunately, you have to pay them. Um, There's not a lot of wiggle room because basically with the government, it's their way or the highway. But you do have the ability to call in and maybe... um, negotiate um, a better uh, payment option or arrangement. Um, There are forbearance um, options available to you, but if you um, file bankruptcy, those student loans will still be there. There's no way to get rid of them, so you might as well just um, deal with them. So if you're having financial difficulties, again, Speaking to your creditors, whether it be the government or any other commercial um, creditor, speaking with them about your situation, being upfront and honest, and letting them know what you are able to do comfortably is the way to go. So might they reduce the payment for people? They have the option to reduce it. I don't know that, you know, they have great flexibility in terms of reducing the payment, but there are, um, if you talk to um, your student loan reps, there are options available to to decrease the amount that you owe. It probably won't be, you know, something tremendous, but, you know, every little bit counts.
0: Yes, and the difficult thing with the school loans, as you know, is that they can't even be removed through bankruptcy. So these things are attached to with you, you. <laughs> forever. It's like death and taxes, Absolutely. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Death, taxes, and school loans are forever. Exactly. So people really have to get after those and get a good start on paying those off because they will accumulate quickly.
1: Definitely. Definitely stay on if you don't pay anything else. <laughs> Always pay your student loans. Um, If you can't afford the payment, call in, make arrangements that will fit your budget. But don't ever just let it get out of hand because if you let that train leave the station, it's so very hard to get it back. Mm -hmm. So just always stay on top of your student loans because they will be with you forever. Where you could get rid of a commercial account With time, it doesn't matter how much time elapses with a student loan. It'll always be your debt. Mm. Do you see
0: people refinancing and paying off student loans very often?
1: Sometimes they do if there's um, equity in a home or if they... Uh, coming to an inheritance or just a lump sum of cash, I do see a lot of people applying those funds towards uh, their student loans, yes. Yeah,
0: and of course the benefit of using the refi would be then if they paid off the student loan with that, now they may have a lower interest rate and they also have a tax deductible interest rate. Exactly. Yeah, so that can be a really good strategy for people if they have the equity to do that. Definitely. Good. So, let's talk about somebody who's really in debt. You know, there's a popular program out there called the Debt Snowball, which if other people listening have listened to my podcast, they know I'm not a fan of that program. And let's just go through a scenario where someone has maybe $10,000 on one credit card, $5,000 on another, and $500 on another. And they are going through a program with you to get their debt paid off. Let's talk about what their options are and what you suggest they do.
1: Well, absolutely. Linda, you and I have something in common. I totally agree that the debt snowball is not the um, best way to attack your debt. Now let's use the scenario of a $500 account, a $5,000 account, and a $10,000 account. Now, normally, I would say you would want to attack the debt that has the largest interest attached to it. So if, for example, your $10,000 card has an interest rate of 28% or your where your $5,000 um, account has an interest rate of 20% and then your $500 card has an interest rate rate of 18% always attack the debt with the largest the highest interest, interest rate. rate yeah exactly because you're getting more bank free above now however there are instances where people are trying to increase their credit score very quickly so maybe they are trying to um, refi and they really just need that bump up in the credit in order to get you know a um, decent um, interest rate and and just to have the ability to refine in that particular case you would want to attack the the debt with the highest balance so basically what you would want to do is you would pay the minimum on the five hundred dollar and the five thousand dollar um card but any extra funds that you have available should be thrown towards attacking that $10,000 debt and bringing it down so that your credit score will increase and then you will have an easier time with being approved um, with your refi.
0: Exactly. So what I talk about is paying down your maxed out balances to you know 80% 70% down to 50% because as you are paying down your maxed out balances your credit is actually improving isn't that right
1: absolutely that is absolutely correct and a lot of times you know people say to get your um, your balance down to you know 50% or you know some think the magic number may be 60% or 40 as long the key is as long as you are paying it down your credit score will incrementally increase
0: yeah so the problem with paying off small balances is that If they are not maxed out on their card, let's say they had a $10,000 limit, they have $2,000 charged on the card, but they had other balances that were, you know, at the maximum credit limit charged to the max, and they're paying this small balance, the problem with that is they are actually delaying the time that they're going to be improving their credit score, right? They're actually lengthening the time.
1: Exactly, because the amount is so small. The lenders are going to be drawn towards those larger balances, so that's where you you want to focus your attention, where the lender is going to focus his or her attention. So they are drawn to those large balances, so take care of those first. And now, Go ahead, sorry. If you just have you know, um, extra cash lying around, and you're able to um, attack multiple balances at one time, that is great. But if you are um, strapped for cash and you want to increase that score, you need to attack the larger balances first.
0: You're actually getting double bang for your buck because by paying down the highest interest rate first, you're saving the most money. Exactly. And by paying out the most maxed out balance first, or paying it down to say 50% first, you're speeding up your improvement of credit as fast as you can. So you're getting a double bang for your buck by going with the high interest rate, high maxed out balance first rather than going to these low balances. And I understand the debt snowball is to try and give people momentum and have them you know, pay off these small balances so they feel like they've really accomplished something. But here's the scenario. I had a client. I don't deal with a lot of people that have debt issues typically, but I did have a client who was a very successful advertising executive. And in the 2008 crisis, her advertising commissions on radio just went down to nothing. Uh And so her income dropped dramatically. She was the chief breadwinner in the family, and they could not refinance their house. And so they basically had this debt, and they found actually that, you know, they were just they were really trapped because they were in a 15-year mortgage so they couldn't refi to get their mortgage to a 30-year to get their payments down so they had these higher payments. She had less income and they ended up having to cash in her husband's 401k -hmm. just to make their mortgage payment and, you know, just keep things going. And so when I saw her and we looked at her credit report, we found some... Things on there, a bad account with uh, a department store that had been on there that had gone bad. So she had not even been aware of it, but that had been written off or um, not collected by the um, by the department store, and she had some late payments too. So she was really in a pickle.
1: Oh. Well, it, it really hurts me that they had to liquidate the 401k. That oh, is like uh, horrible. It's like a, one of the worst financial actions that you could take. Like that, you're going to get hit with penalties, taxes. That's right. It's just the worst. But in this particular case, I do understand they had to bite the bullet and, you know, they had those funds available and he had to. Um, Maintain their home. So I do understand and I sympathize with your clients. As far as the credit picture in this particular scenario, if you're ever faced with a bill that is unexpected, you don't know where it came from, you don't really know, you know too much about it, again, you always want to dispute that with the credit bureau. If you find that uh, this account is indeed yours, it was just an oversight, and now you're ready to rectify the situation, you have to make sure that you know who owns the debt at this point in time. Is it the original department store that owns the debt, or is it now a debt collector? That really makes a difference. So we're going to attack it both ways. So if the creditor still holds that account, they still own the debt, what you want to do, again, get in touch with that department store's um credit department let them know you know i'm totally sorry this was an oversight on my part this was my fault i want to rectify this i want to make good on this debt how can i do that and then you discuss what the options are they may depending upon how old it is they may uh, um reduce that amount for you to encourage you to to pay in full very quickly. So if you decide to do that, what you can ask for is a pay for delete. So if you come to an agreement on the amount, which would be called the settlement amount, you can always ask for a pay-for-delete. And what a pay-for-delete is, is that you know, it was an oversight, it was a mistake on your part, uh, you don't want to live with this um, scourge forever. Um, once you pay them in full, then what they can do is contact the credit bureaus to take that uh, negative entry off of your credit report. Or conversely, what they could do is they could um, say, well, no, uh, we're not going to be able to uh, take that off of your credit report by contacting the credit bureaus directly. But what you can do is once we receive payment in full, dispute this account again, and then we won't answer the credit bureau's um, request for the investigation. And then what happens after 30 days of that, that'll drop off of your credit report. So that's an alternative for you as well. Now, when it, as it relates to debt collectors, now you're getting into a different pool. And so what you would want to do, again, everything starts with your dispute letter to the credit bureaus. And if you find that this stays on your credit report and that it's owned by a debt collection company, what you want to do is make sure that you always... Communicate with the debt collector in writing. Do not take phone calls with them. They are trained to get you tripped up. They're trained to make you say things that you never, ever intended to say. You just don't want to um, go toe-to-toe on the phone with the debt collector. You always want to maintain communication with debt collectors in writing. The first thing you want to make them do is you want them to validate the debt. And sometimes debt has been sold many times over. So if this debt has been sold two, three, four times, when you're asking them for validation of this debt, if the debt has been sold multiple times, what you want to make sure is that you have a copy of the assignment from the original creditor to creditor number one, creditor number one to creditor number two and so on. If there's a break in that chain, then the debt collector that's attempting to collect this debt from you does not have the authority to collect that debt from you. And by law, they need to take that credit entry off of your credit report because they do not have the proper documentation to verify that account.
0: So if this was sold from one company to another to another and they can't prove that chain, then they cannot proceed with this.
1: They don't have the authority to collect from you. And that's a little known fact that American consumers do not know about. And I want to personally make it my mission to let them know that when you're dealing with a debt collector and the debt has been sold multiple times, they need to provide evidence of an assignment of that particular debt to each and every stop in the chain. Each and every debt collector that, uh, from the, the creditor to the first debt collector, to the second debt collector, to the third and so on, must have an assignment agreement, basically selling that debt and giving them the authority to collect.
0: How often do you see that people don't have that proper chain of command?
1: about 80 to 85% of the time when we dispute direct directly absolutely wow a lot of debt collectors they just they may buy debt in a bundle and they don't have the proper paperwork you would be surprised when you go direct and you challenge and you make these debt collectors validate a debt if they even respond to you they may send out like what looks like an Excel spreadsheet, oh, yeah, this is what you owe. Uh, No, I don't owe that. I need to see something with my signature where I agreed to assume this debt. I need to see a complete accounting record of this. There are many things that debt collectors must have before they actually have the authority to collect from you. If they're missing any of those items, they do not have the authority and they need to remove that from the credit report.
0: Interesting. Wow. That's super valuable advice. Yes, absolutely. Wow. So what if people are getting harassing phone calls? What should they do?
1: Well, I want people to know that you have rights under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. You do not have to put up with harassing debt collectors. You do not have to put up with abusive language. You do have rights. So just a quick overview. No debt collector can contact you before 8 a.m. or after 9 p.m. A debt collector, once you request it, They have to validate the debt. If they don't validate the debt, if they don't have the proper documentation to support what it is that they are reporting to the credit bureau, they must not report that until they get proper verification. And chances are, if they didn't have it originally, they probably won't have it in any other time in the future. Also, they cannot threaten Um, You over the phone, they can't say that, oh, if you don't pay this, we're going to send you to jail. Uh, They can't use abusive language. And if you want a debt collector to stop contacting you, irrespective of whether or not you owe the debt, you can send them a cease and desist letter. And basically, what a cease and desist letter is, is that you're telling them, I don't want you to contact me regarding this particular debt. Now, the only correspondence that they are legally allowed to send to you after you send that cease and desist letter is a letter back to you stating that they did receive your request and that uh, they will stop contacting you however they can uh, pursue this Judicially, So basically, they can take you to court if they are within the statute of limitations. And so if they then contact you after they've received the cease and desist letter and they harass you or they call you after hours or before hours, make sure that you document all of the infractions. Because what you can do is you can sue a debt collector in court and receive up to one thousand dollars for your damages wow that's an interesting turnaround oh yes and a lot of creditors and debt collectors they are banking on the fact that you don't know your rights as an american consumer but once you let them know that you do You will be amazed at how many times you don't even get contacted anymore or how much respect they will show you going forward. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Wow. So, how long does it take to improve a credit rating? Let's say, let's take two examples. One is the person doesn't have good credit and they want to improve it. Mm -hmm. And the other example is someone already does have good credit, but they want it to get better.
1: Well, in your first scenario, it's going to take a little bit. So if someone is coming to you and they're saying, oh, we can clear up your credit in 30 days, or we can clear up your your, uh, credit situation in seven days, don't believe it. Run fast in the other direction because it's going to take time. Now, generally, when you already have a bad credit situation depending upon what's in the credit report how old those items are if you're in a position to um, settle those debts and get a pay for delete it just depends on the situation Um, it could take anywhere from 90 days to a couple of years because, you know, with time, whether it's late payments or um, charge-offs or things like that on your credit report, over time um, the impact of those negative items are, are lessened or they're reduced over time. So I would give a time frame of um, 90 days to a couple of years. Sometimes it takes to, to get your credit where you need it to be. Now, with the other situation, if you're just looking to improve your credit score, you can do that relatively quickly. Um, you do have a lot of options when you, um, when you already have good credit. So let's just say that you already have good credit, but let's just say that you have, um, you're carrying a balance on some of your cards. So the quick fix would be to pay off those balances another to improve your credit score. to so take on more credit, charge just this a little bit and make sure that you um, pay those off um, every month. So that's just a little insight on what you need to do when you have bad credit or if you already have good credit and you just need a bump up in the credit score.
0: Okay. Well, going back to my client's case, I came into the picture after she had cashed in her 401k and was having difficulty, but then we were able to send the um, dispute letters and get some things off of her credit. It took about 90 days, so I think you're right on target with that, Mm -hmm. and then she was able to refi, pay off her debt, get her mortgage down, get a thirty year mortgage, get her payment down, and then the economy started to rebound and her commission started to come up again, her income got better. So it ended up being a really happy ending, yeah. But it was kinda hairy there for a while. But I think, you know, yeah, that's another that's cool. Yeah, it's another reason why I'm a big proponent of attacking the largest, the most maxed out balances first because you get a jump start on getting your credit cleaned up. And if it's going to take 90 days to, you know, a couple of years, you want to start getting that, you know, get a better credit rating while you're paying your debt down. I mean, it's just so great to do both at the same time rather than delaying improving your credit score the longest, you know, out there by paying these tiny balances. It just makes no sense to me. So,
1: Absolutely. I'm 100% on your train with that one.
0: Yeah. Just, it just makes so much more sense to be doing them at the same time and get double bang for your buck. So um, let's see. What about debt consolidation? What do you think about that?
1: Well, my opinion of debt consolidation is you don't need it. Because I've had a couple of clients to um, try debt consolidation, and in both instances, um, the outcome uh, wasn't a positive one. Um, I have helped clients where they um, have a debt consolidation company contact their creditors to arrange uh, the payment arrangements, and then uh, they sent their money into the debt consolidation company they were supposed to distribute the funds to each of the creditors and uh, that did not happen so now the my clients were in a situation uh, worse than when they started so a debt consolidation company isn't they can't do anything for you that you can't do for yourself so I would always encourage my clients to just go on ahead, make the phone call. I know that you're dreading it. It's not fun, but that's what needs to happen. So just get some time to yourself where you can focus your time, your energy and effort on communicating with your creditors. Let them know your situations. And a lot of the times you'll be pleasantly surprised that they have programs available just for you in those types of situations. So my take on a debt consolidation company is that you don't need their services. You can go direct.
0: I like that. That's a good approach out the middle person. Exactly. There's probably some cost there that you're saving as well, so that's a good thing.
1: Absolutely. Take Take their fee and put it on your debt.
0: Right, exactly. Well, what about when when parents are giving kids their first credit cards? What do you recommend? (laughs) Usually they have to start out with these gas cards or department stores and then those are some
1: of the highest interest rates out there, right? Absolutely. They are, they do carry some of the highest interest rates. However, those are um, companies that, Uh, give you a chance because you know your visa master cards of the world if you don't have any credit it's very unlikely that they will extend credit to you so sometimes you do have to as a young person starting out you do have to um, bite the bullet and then um, get one of those furniture store cards or you know a sears or a gas card or something like that just to get yourself established but don't ever let it get out of hand um Make sure that you pay those balances off and uh, maintain uh, establish and maintain good credit now if you have the luxury of parents that will let you piggyback off of uh, their credit cards that is the best scenario because what happens is you would benefit from the on-time payments as well as the length of the credit history. So if you can get your parents to um, make you an authorized user on the card, that would be ideal. But, but you, it. Uh, Go, ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There's also another alternative. If you don't have, you know, Daddy Warbucks <laughs> <laughs> credit card uh, um, access and you don't want to get it um, uh, one of those high interest rate cards, what you would be able to do is if you have, you know, maybe three, four hundred dollars uh, in a savings account, what you would want to do is go to your local bank and get a secured card using the three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars as collateral for the card. So that's a great way as well to establish your credit when you're just starting out.
0: How about debit cards do do people having debit cards through a bank does what does that impact their credit?
1: Having a debit card does zero for your credit report. Mm-hmm. So a debit card is not a way to establish credit mm-hmm.
0: So really, if if the parents want to give their kids, um, you know, let them use their credit to establish credit, mm-hmm. then if the child is not responsible with that credit, can that damage the
1: parent's credit? Absolutely, it can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's the risk that the parent is taking. So parents know their children. So if you know that you have a kid that, you know, Probably not going to um, act accordingly with this, you know, massive credit limit that you have. I wouldn't suggest that you do that. You would be much better served to take funds out of your uh, savings account and establish a secured card for the kid and then, you know, let them have at it with their own secured credit card. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, when I got my first credit card, I think it was a Nordstrom card, Mm -hmm. if I recall correctly. And, you know, my mother was, you know, go ahead and sign up for your credit card and just make sure you pay off the balance every month. And, you know, she was just very clear about that. And that is the habit that I got into. Yes. And I just think, you know, I'm not sure whether parents aren't uh, really getting through to the kids or the kids just aren't listening or what, but it seems like... There's this sort of approach of, oh, I have a credit card. Let's go max it out and then make payments. You know, where does that mentality come from? It it didn't seem to be there. You know, quite a few years ago.
1: Well, it it wasn't there. Um, Usually, um, I would say going back uh, three, two to three generations. A a lot of our ancestors really didn't have access to credit. Like when they wanted something, they had to pay for it, (laughs) like in cash. And save for it. Exactly, exactly. So... Usually, the children of that generation, they're very uh, financially responsible. Um, They had to establish credit on their own. Nobody really, you know, helped them in the credit department. But somewhere, you know, (laughs) after that second generation, um, some went haywire. And, you know, you can attribute that to um, the media. You can attribute that to, you know, um, this idea or notion of being a celebrity in these, you know, reality shows, you know, um, super 16, where a 16-year-old kid is getting like a $250,000 card. You can attribute that to the culture, but ultimately... You need to know when you charge something, when you put a purchase on your credit card, you are responsible for that. So you need to just go on ahead and pay the bill and never let it get out of hand because the interest rates will kill you. So just be financially responsible, um, don't pay attention to the celebrities, don't pay attention to the media that says you have to buy, 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 buy this, you don't have to choose, you can have it all. Don't ever get caught up in that trap, always be financially responsible and then you'll have a, a, an easier time in life.
0: Exactly, and I remember when I was uh, back in the corporate financial world, I would spend some time in banks and the banks were always advertising, go on vacation, you know, borrow from your home equity line of credit and go on vacation, <laughs> buy clothing. You know, yeah. they were always depreciating assets, buy a new car, buy a boat. And, you know, my big rule of thumb is don't use credit for a depreciating asset, something that's going to be worth less in the future.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, that's sound advice. And, you know, that that marketing message is out there, and it's very powerful. And, you know, that um, trying to keep up with the Joneses, um, you know, mentality, that it's out there, Um, it's tempting to try and one-up your neighbor, but it does not serve you financially. It really doesn't. And somewhere along the line, you're going to need credit. So, just make sure that you keep your credit in the best position
0: possible. Exactly. So, Melanie, in closing, give us a, a bad credit score, a mediocre credit score, and an excellent credit score. And then tell us how someone who has good credit can make it excellent credit.
1: Sure. Well, about, using the FICO standard, now, they're different. Uh, standards for credit scoring, but the standard bearer and the originator of credit scoring is FICO, Fair Isaac Company. So using the FICO standard, anything below 600 is bad. Anything um from 600 to 620s I'm seeing now, um, that'll get you approved, but your interest rate is going to be sky high. Now the score that's um, going to get you through the door with a decent um, interest rate, that's happening somewhere along the line of 680 to 700. And then, of course, um, 720 and above, that's considered uh, good credit. So if you're just, it depends on your objective. If you're just looking to get credit, you don't care about the interest rate, your credit score can be, I would say, to be safe, 620, somewhere in the 620s. But if you want a decent rate, you want to make sure that your credit score is somewhere between uh 680 and, and let's just say, 719. um, What you can do to make sure that you um, have a decent credit score. Here's one that people really don't think about. When you apply for credit, that enters what's called an inquiry on your credit report. So that means some lender is looking at your credit to assess whether or not they're going to extend credit for you or to you. Each inquiry on your credit report deducts points from your score. So if you go to multiple places looking for credit, let's just say you wanted to uh, open a Best Buy account then you went to a furniture store to establish credit there and, you know, you uh, went to Target and they said, hey, you want to... A- Open up a Target card? Well, sure, why not? Multiple inquiries hurt your credit score. So be mindful of how often you are applying for credit and uh, make sure that you don't apply for credit um, multiple times within a short time span because then it looks like you're looking to just get all the credit that you can, max it out, and not pay for it. So making sure that you limit your inquiries um, goes very far on your credit. It goes very um, far in increasing your credit score. So
0: people need to be really careful with these balance transfer offers that are out there because that's considered uh, they're applying for credit.
1: Absolutely. And only if you are super serious and super focused about paying down your debt that In that particular case, then yes, go for a balance transfer. But if you have an inkling that you probably won't pay off the debt by the time that introductory rate is over, do not pursue the balance transfer because that is a trap that has snared many people with great intentions. So if you... Feel that you can pay off the balance within uh, the time frame before that introductory rate expires. Go on ahead. Go for the balance transfer. If you have one little small inkling that mm, maybe I won't be able to pay it all within this time frame, do not pursue the balance transfer.
0: Yeah, that time horizon that they give you the low rate comes up pretty quickly, and then you're stuck with a lot higher rate.
1: Exactly, because what they're going to do is charge you interest rate from the date of the balance transfer. Ugh, terrible. Yes. <laughs> it's
0: like a pit in your stomach. Oh, uh. <laughs> they really come up with the, the methods to sock it to you, don't they?
1: Oh, yes. And you know what? These people are professionals. These are corporations with, you know, unlimited funds available to them to research people's habits uh, what they're likely to do, what they're not likely to do, how long it takes the average person to, you know, pay off. They know all of these things, and they know just about, you know, who's going to pay it off and who's not. So, they've got the everything stacked. The odds are in their favor. the The odds are stacked against you. So, just be careful with these offers.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So, Melanie, you have given great information. This has been so thorough. I love your approach. You're so detailed. You share everything. You hold nothing back. I so appreciate you being on the show today.
1: Well, I thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity to empower people. That is huge with me. Credit is my thing. That's what I do. And I want people to have the same level of knowledge regarding credit that I do. Fantastic. We both
0: are out to empower people. And that is, you know, just so important because we don't often hear the details about credit and really learn the the finer ins and outs. And I think the first step for everyone is go to annualcreditreport.com
1: and get that free credit report. That is the absolute first step. Most definitely. You don't need any other source to get your credit reports. If you haven't, um, you've gotten your credit report for the year, definitely go to annualcreditreport.com.
0: Awesome. And how can people find you and get a hold of you if they would like to work with you further?
1: If they'd like to work with me, they can visit my website at www.goodcredithq.com. Or they can personally email me at mfc at goodcredithq.com so that's m as in melanie f is in free c is in clinton at goodcredithq.com i love it thank you
0: so much melanie i just so appreciate it
1: you're welcome and thank you for having me
0: all right take care goodbye now until next time live the good life and be wealthy and smart